It's irrefutable evidence that there's more to us than we are acknowledging. They know something that's deep and important about us, and they're able to leverage it for what they need. Well, to go right to the heart of it, I mean, those are the secret keepers. Once we recognize that remote viewing and similar disciplines are real, we are faced with the truth. There are no secrets, as Russell Targ said. Mm. There are no more secrets. Right now on Higher Journeys with Alexis Brooks. I am smiling broadly, journeyers. You know why? It's because I have a friend with me today. This friend you might know because she is one half of the dynamic duo, Richard and Tracy. I'm with Tracy Garbett Dolan today, fresh off of our wonderful Stairway to the Stars event in Las Vegas. Of course, we're going to talk about that a little bit toward the end. But yeah. Listen, Tracy, Tracy, first of all, welcome. This is your first time here. I feel like you've Thank been on you. the show before, but I know we're, we've we're always known each other for so long, right? And, and here you are, finally. I was really, guys, pressing Tracy while we were in Las Vegas. I'm like, girlfriend, you got to, as soon as we get back, I want you on. Now, I'm going to apologize in advance if I'm sounding a little off kilter to you. It's because I am <laughs> dealing with a little bit of a bug, but that's not going to stop a good conversation happening today. And we are indeed going to get into some some deep stuff, as we typically do here on Higher Journeys. We're talking about human consciousness, the psychic mind, and why it's so important for all of us to take it seriously. Tracy's been very invested, I would say, in this world for probably the majority of your life, Tracy, mm -hmm. uh, whether professionally or just going through the, the paces of life. You have gained a knowledge, a thirst, I would say first, and then the knowledge of understanding the human mind, the complexity of the human mind. But from a metaphysical perspective, you have a background in psychology, I know, but you have married this very otherwise elusive part of the mind, that being the psychic mind, along with human psychology. And you've come up with some amazing, uh, an amazing thesis, I would say, on what we're here to do and how we're here to work that, you know, that, uh, that psychic mind of ours. So we, we want to talk about that, but we also want to talk about, you've got some great information in terms of the schism that exists. Uh, it seems even today between is ESP real? Is the psychic mind real? Do we really have these capabilities or not? Let's di dive right in uh, to some of the very, very concrete evidence that not only is, uh, psychic ability real, but it has been invested heavily in by certain entities. I'm going to have you take it from there and talk a little bit to the audience who may not know about how invested some camps are in understanding our psychic minds. Right. Well, I thank you, by the way, for having me. And I'm so glad that we finally got to do this together. So, and we did, we had a wonderful time uh, at the conference we were just at. So I'm, I'm so glad we're doing this. Um, and thank you for the intro. I uh, want to just start by saying, just backing up one step and saying, you know, um, so much actually exists and has existed showing us that we are more than we think we are. We have this deep uh, inner sense to us where we can reach out to a greater self and beyond. And, um, you know, we see it in 
the ancient mystery schools. We see it in even um, religions. All religions have a mystical version, and the mystical versions are usually um, all about the um, personal, direct, divine connection. Uh, so they don't have an intermediary like the religion, you know, they, they're more divine about divine contact. So, I mean, all of the religions have been looking at this. The ancients have been looking at this. Secret societies have been looking at this. There have been mystery schools over the years. Uh, there are mystery schools that still exist. They're all, you know, looking into this, teaching this. Just about anyone who was in um, a position of high authority has some brushing with a society that was involved in things like this, teaching people who they really are innately and these deeper um, these deeper abilities that we have. And more recently, we have some of the best evidence, I would say, with um, controlled remote viewing. So uh, I think that's what you wanted me to get into, right, Alexis? Absolutely. Well, all of that really but i'm glad you brought up the let's let's begin at the beginning and how this ability has been ubiquitous in our historical data right. from the less um rigid uh wisdom traditions to inst even institutionalized religion it comes right. up to the secret societies and yeah. let's talk about the governments that have been involved in these as an example remote viewing experiments talk about yeah. that Talk yeah, about. well, the whole the whole remote viewing story, controlled remote viewing, is so interesting. A lot of people know it was created at Stanford Research Institute by Russell Targ, Hal Putoff, Ingo Swan, and it eventually became known as Project Stargate. But really, examining the story of this is very important because what it teaches us is that the three-letter agencies, the government. And all these different branches were funding it or were customers of it for 20 plus years. Mm -hmm. So the CIA funded it for 20 plus years. But the list of uh, people that were the customers, which I think we're going to put a screen up here for this. I'm put something in post so you can see this exhaustive list. But Tracy, please tell okay. us. Yeah. yeah the, so. This is a, a wonderful list. The CIA, the DIA, the SS, the Secret Service, AFIA, the Air Force Intelligence Agency, Naval Intelligence Command, Naval Investigative Service Command, National Security Agency, the NSA, the Army Intelligence and Security Command, National Security Council, the FBI, the DEA, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, and even the Coast Guard. So I'm sure there's more than that. That's just you know, uh, governmental agencies. And so we know that, well, let me say it this way, for people who still sit on the fence sometimes to wonder if it's real, mm. well, these agencies thought it was real, <laughs> you know? And, you know, remote viewing is kind of interesting because it's, it's people will still try to debunk it because it's not 100%. I think a lot of times people, uh, if they are still thinking it's not real, they just aren't, they haven't gone deep enough into the research because once you go into it, it's obvious. It's I irrefutable. Mean, mm. It's irrefutable evidence that there's more to us 
than we are acknowledging, generally speaking. So yeah, the remote viewing program is just this sort of exquisite example that there is this schism, as you're calling it, mm -hmm. where they know something that's deep and important about us, and they're able to leverage it for what they need. But I think it's kind of time that we have this look and we begin to leverage it for ourselves. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about using it in any nefarious ways, or mm. I'm not talking about using it for intelligence. I'm more talking about it for navigating what's upcoming, you know, um, returning to our birthright, returning and understanding what is ours. I'm a big proponent of self-experimentation. Some mm -hmm. people, for some people, that's, you know, using um, like the psychonauts, using different uh, narcotics. For me, it's all non-narcotic at this point. And uh, there's many different methods of, you know, self-discovery. And there's very sort of easy things like self-dream study. Mm -hmm. But remote viewing is another excellent way. But I really think it's important that people start understanding the bridge between the left and right brain, the bridge yes. between the conscious and the unconscious, the language that is used back and forth, um, and that these two parts of the brain speak differently. And we kind of have it nicely represented. I'm just going to loosely represent this like the left, you know, the analy analytical, more like daytime. I'm just mm -hmm. going to put it this way. I never, I never talk about it this way, but, and the right more, we sometimes think of more like nighttime. It's visual spatial. There's less, less language going on. And there's this beautiful opportunity to bring these two together mm -hmm. through deep self-awareness and in all these different ways, we could talk about so many different ways that you could do it. But this was just the way that popped up in my head right now. I like the analogy. Yeah, it's something that uh, dreams are. When you start looking at the neuroimaging and the electrical oscillations and what's going on with the brain at night, particularly in the dream state and particularly if you enter into a lucid dream, mm -hmm. one of the greatest mysteries is there. Um, and so I think it's really important to attempt to marry and get some of this information, something people can do alone by themselves. It's part of us. You don't have to feel psychic. You don't have to feel special. And you can begin to bridge and marry those two sides, that, that different kind of um, language going on in these different parts of the brain. Mm -hmm. to learn more about us. And I, I think that we can learn more from other people. And I think that helps increase our belief in what we can do. But it's so important to learn our own language because I believe truly it is unique to us. It is absolutely unique to us. You're, yeah. you're saying that you're seeing so many things um, that I want to, for everything you just touched on, we could have. Oh, I know. So, I know. But I feel like there's so much. And there's so much. But let's do that. Let's do this, Tracy. I want to go. I want to go back because the first thing we we sort of touched on is the investment on these agencies who were so heavily leveraged in these programs over the course of twenty years. And Tracy and I were talking offline, and we both agree that there's some iteration of these programs that are happening to this day. So yeah. you've got that that's in the books, and some of it is declassified, actually, that anyone yeah. could find. And yet the schism yeah. that I uh, I, I've been using that term of there's still people on the fence 
that's also coexisting that are still saying, I'm not sure if this is real or not. Yeah. Let's talk about the fact that this was no accident. And I'll just say, I'm going to put it on the record that it seems to me that the very factions who are so heavily leveraged in participating in these programs are the same factions who've indoctrinated the masses out of belief in these things. I yeah. want to go there. It's, it's a bit controversial, but let's talk about that and the why to that and why we need to smarten up a bit when it comes to understanding our history and how this has happened. Well, to go right to the heart of it, I mean, those are the secret keepers. And once we recognize that remote viewing and similar disciplines are real, um, we are faced with the truth that nothing is really, there are no secrets, as Russell Targ said. There are no more secrets. And so those agencies have every motivation to keep us from realizing this about ourselves. Um, I mean, it's pretty easy to see. And a good example of this actually was, uh, might be Pat Price. If people are familiar with who Pat Price was, he was considered one of the most psychic men in the world. He was part of the remote viewing program uh, initially. And Pat died under mysterious circumstances. No one can say for certain how this happened. But this is a, a good example where he was able to find just about anything. He was able to, he had some of the most fascinating remote views where typically people couldn't, can't usually read off of things, but Pat was able to read code names and file colors and tons of detailed information about anything they were looking for. And this happens to be the person that mysteriously goes missing and mysteriously dies. Um, so I, I don't mean to bring up something morbid, but you can see why he would be such a threat. And I just think this is poignant. You know, it just is a good example. There was no agency that he wouldn't be a threat to. He would be a threat to just about any agency anywhere in the world, whether our own or someone else's. And he's no longer here. And people who care about him are still trying to figure out what happened, you know. Um, so there is great motivation for all of these agencies and whoever's in charge. Because if we were to understand what we are capable of truly, if we were able to understand, we would know that there's, there's, the power is actually in our hands. I, I feel conflicted over talking about this sometimes, I just have to say, because I want people to know this and I want people to know how to access these parts of themselves. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, those agencies have had great motivation to, you know, to keep their secrets and they still do. So I don't want to say I'm advocating for people joining a group that is getting into intelligence with remote viewing. You know, this is all about us understanding who we are and exactly. keeping our own power. I just want to kind of make that distinction of what mm -hmm. I'm sort of um, being a proponent of. <laughs> Um, no, I think you're. I think we know that those that know the great work that you're doing. I mean, that, not to to uh, cut you off, but I think that's good to to bring that up because you know we're talking about applications that no doubt have been used for nefarious purposes, 
Um, yeah. But again, I, I, I've heard you say that your interest and um, the work that you've pursued in remote viewing is as a self-development tool. That is it. Period. For me. Yeah. And you that and I have talked it. about the ethics of this before. As a yeah. matter of fact, I introduced your talk, if you recall, gosh, four yeah. years ago in the UK. And yeah. we had a little conversation about that. So uh, yeah. that's important. That's important to uh, bring up. Yeah, these are these are things that are our birthright. And yet it's a slippery slope because of the history, because of the secrets that have been so uh, um, deeply kept. And the urgency of now at the same time for us to uncover the secret of ourself. The secret of yeah. self is what we're really talking about. We're talking about self-discovery. Yeah. We're, we, yeah have my, know. we have a need to know. We do. My uh, lecture series is called The Final Frontiers in Here. In here. Because mm -hmm. I truly believe this. You know, um, the final frontier, I mean, an amazing frontier is space. But if you can access space from your inner space it seems to me that this is the true final frontier and going back to what we were saying earlier with um the temple of apollo and know thyself i really truly believe someone somewhere has been pointing the arrows at us now they've been giving it to us for a long time but i feel like it's all about this moment for some reason right before, right before we're about to enter into all of this, to gather, remember, this is the key. It's not about the external. It's about remembering who we are, learning that unique language that we have, and following these breadcrumbs of this innate magical heritage. And it's going to be so important uh, when AI comes on the scene, I mean, to learn and understand how to navigate what's coming. But um, I could go on and on about how important I feel it is and the different ways that I think that are uh, sort of good approaches. I think there's different levels for uh, people to approach this if they're looking to. And you probably talk about this on your shows all the time because I know you're all about this as well. Absolutely. But I just think there's ways that are sort of formalized where people can really push themselves and learn more. But there's ways as simple as meditating and looking at our dreams and all of those working to understand the mind and um, the language going on between the left and right brain is not something to be underestimated. I agree. I'm smiling because I'm we're, we're cut from the same cloth, Tracy. There's, I there's know. No question. <laughs> there's no question about it. I'm nodding voraciously because as you talk about, you've brought this up before, about establishing an equilibrium between left and right hemispheres. I've always felt that that is what we were designed to do. I mean, look at our very, look at terra firma, look at this planet. It's made up of two hemispheres, but they work cohesively. And it's believed, you know, I'm I don't want to speak out of school, but I think in some hermetic teachings and um, mm -hmm. alchemy, it were it was the alchemists that learned that balance of left and right, if you will, in mm -hmm. order to establish a third reality. Let's look at it. It's two realities. But when mm -hmm. there's a, a cohesion, it creates mm -hmm. a third reality, a third, not dimension, but another scenario that is comprised of the two, it's almost like the yin and yang symbol when you think about it. There's an intersection. Yeah. They're not yeah. two 
you know, standing side by side, they're, they're intertwined. Right. And so when you first brought that up, I thought absolutely 100%. I think that is very important to, to, to do in practice. So let's talk a little bit about, let's get right into the practice of, let's say meditation is the ground, the, the base, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. in order to bring in all these other things that would help establish that equilibrium. How would you advise people might use that meditation as a, as a starting point? Right. Well, I definitely think if I like to try to boil things down sometimes into uh, its its bigger sense, like so meditation and all of the disciplines are about this deeper self-awareness, right? That it's it's just going as deep as we can and increasing our ability to be self-aware during meditation and then outside of meditation. Um, so that's one. And then the second part is becoming a master of ourselves in terms of uh, the ability to control distraction. Mm-hmm. So this deep self-awareness, this control of distraction. And because those two are reflective of exactly what you're saying as well. Deep Grounded self-awareness, which is sort of visual spatial, relates to the right brain, right? Mm -hmm. And the mastership over distraction is kind of the mastership over the left brain, the analytical, the monkey mind. And then I love the way that you said it, creating this sort of new reality. It makes me wonder, I'm going off a a little bit here as well. It's okay. We're allowed. Um, (laughs) Okay. Um, If this isn't something that was purposely sort of... um, that we were diverted from purposely. The whole left brain, right brain is, you know, that became the whole pop culture thing. Um, but I think it's it's key and it's important and it's an important language for us to communicate something about how unique, how uniquely our brains work. So I sometimes jokingly say I reject that that, that was ever rejected because the we all know we're using the whole brain, right? Uh, but the right brain has these is like a visual spatial processor. It is different. It has mm-hmm. different specialties than the left. So doing these things to bring them together, such as meditation, that that deepening. And there's, of course, you can always add in binaural beats. Binaural beats originally designed by the Monroe Institute mm-hmm. to synchronize the hemispheres of the brain creating a whole brain state and also, you know, a little bit of entrainment, helping people to get into those deeper states of alpha and theta and delta and even gamma and hold those states. You know, that's a great practice as well. Holding those states helps you to keep the left brain just at bay, you know, just relax. So I think, yes, meditation, if that were to be the absolute base, I think it is one of the key things to attempt to return to. And it's going to be one of the key things that is going to be probably the most difficult. Because if you just look at how things are speeding up Absolutely. with artificial intelligence and the need to stay on top, the the feeling that you need to stay on top, it, like talk about FOMO, the fear of missing out. This is what this is creating right now in mm-hmm. all of us, because day by day by day, well, Grok has just come out and, you know, Elon Musk's new tools come out and this person's new tool and then Microsoft. And then there's so mm-hmm. much that it is going to be more tempting than ever 
to go down that stream Absolutely. of the busy left analytical world. I'm just going to put mm-hmm. it this way. I'm just talking yeah. loosely like this. But this yeah. is the moment where we have to bring it back, pause, and really work it into ourselves to anchor in with our meditation or some kind of practice that anchors you to you, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, here, we here. were talking about this in the, in the pre-show, mm-hmm. uh, but that standing on the precipice of what's about to happen, taking a pause right now, taking an inventory of what we know about ourselves and looking for what we don't know about ourselves, learning that language and looking to sort of deepen our understanding of that not just inner wisdom, but the the language. And, but if we want to also, I just, there's so many things I want to say that is just going all over the place. No, it's there's coming out so perfectly. Well, I want to say. Huh? Multiple facets, it's coming out perfectly. There are multiple facets. It's complex. It's, it's absolutely very complex. complex. But just let it, let it come out because you're, you're, you're making some really good points. Get it okay. Let's 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 go back a little bit. You can guide me around because there's just so much <laughs> to say. There's just so much to say, and it's just so much pushing to, to come out. And, and the reason why it's pushing you guys, and this is important, like Tracy, I'm sure many of you and myself are feeling this sense of urgency to get to the core of what I loosely call universe is trying to get us to pay attention to right now, because indeed we are on the precipice of some. We're on the precipice of some shift, I'm not going to call it good or bad, but distinct, that if we don't have a hold of ourselves, the inner space of self, we'll never capture it again. And what frightens me is that, because I love my fellow man as you do, I know, mm-hmm. our fellow human, there's so many who would never listen to a conversation like this, who would never know to listen to a conversation like this. This is where the concern for me comes in. And yet we know that we can only be responsible for our own, our own walk and our own life. But I, you know, Tracy knows it before. For, forgive me. I, I'm, I'm feeling the need to, to, to say this before yeah. we went on the air. I said, dearest, dearest, greatest spirit, let this conversation go where it needs to go for the highest good of all involved. Yeah. Yeah. especially those who may be oblivious to this kind of conversation. I pray God every day that something will wake those people up to the urgency that you and I share and many in our audience share. I just mm-hmm. had to say that. So. No. Okay. I think, I think it's perfect. And I think, I think, yes, it's really something that we both share is this sort of urgency for people to understand what this moment is. The moment before the big wild card, this unfathomable time that's ahead. And the only thing that we really have in our control is ourselves. Um, All of these things are happening. And as we know, anxiety has been on the rise. And when things feel out of control, that's, that's how, that's one way that we, it's kind of a coping, um, we have many different coping mechanisms, but it's it's just one thing that we have a propensity towards, let's just say. 
when mm. the, when the unknown is running away, it's it gives us a feeling of anxiousness, right? And a lot of what we have cultivated in the past is what's going to help us with resilience as we move through this. But continuing our practices, whatever they may be, and cultivating the deepest spiritual anchor that you can right here, right now, I think is the best preparation we can do for what's coming. I feel like we're giving a giant warning and I feel a little bit bad about that because I don't want it to be just a big warning. I, I think that even if this weren't happening, I would be saying the same thing because I, I believe it's a beautiful part of ourselves mm -hmm. that is largely unexplored. There's so many hints poking through in dreams and different ways. And the invitation is constantly there. So even if it wasn't happening, I would be inviting people to like look sure. deeper, but be, but especially because it's here, this is going to help us now with resilience through this sort of unknown. So yeah, I, um, beautifully said, beautifully thank you. Said. I, I, uh, anywhere you want to go with this, but I yeah. just think, well, I'm thinking of the individuals. I, I, I know I, I made a strong statement a, a moment or two ago about those that seem to be oblivious, still living in a status quo existence. And for that walk of theirs, that's fine. But now I'm going to say this, Tracy, I don't know about you. I know you hear you and Richard both hear from a lot of your audience as I do with mine. Mm -hmm. I'm getting a lot of emails and messages from individuals who are saying, Alexis, I'm waking up. I'm, I'm, things are happening to me. I'm feeling a sense of urgency where this was nowhere on my radar a year ago. Um, yeah. This is a good thing. You know, we're, we're hearing from a lot of individuals that are having that epiphany now. So yeah. something energetically, perhaps in the collective is moving that needle uh, for, for many more people to have that awakening. Speak to that a little bit. Are you, are you hearing that from, from individuals? Are you getting that? I, well, we have a little bit of a different audience, generally speaking. Uh, but this is so it's definitely coming through though, you know, that people are feeling this sense of urgency and they are feeling, I was having a conversation last night actually with someone and things are just spinning and the synchronicities just mm -hmm. are, you know, reeling. It's, uh, it does feel like, I mean, forget about what we know. Let's just talk about what we feel. It mm -hmm. feels like something very fascinating and something interesting is happening in the external world, but it's also happening deep within us. What we're able to, perhaps what we're able to reach out to, you know, but this, there is definitely something mm -hmm. interesting because I'm holding back of saying anything that I think it is on purpose. Oh, no, don't hold back. Why? Say, tell <laughs> us. <laughs> Now, don't say that. You know you've got to say something now. Tell us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, well, yeah, I, I have always been kind of conservative in what I say and, and to draw any conclusions about anything. I more love to put out invitations to people of things sure. to think about for themselves. And, uh, but I know you keep inviting me to say that, to say what I think it is, but 
I just think without going into sort of the spiritual side of things, I just think there is a convergence of all of these things. And I believe that non-human intelligence is involved in this. Mm-hmm. Um, why wouldn't they be? If they ha- are more advanced and they're looking from a perspective that's outside of time and space, they probably do have some idea of what's about to happen. And um, they're probably either invested or interested. I've suggested that perhaps we're just a longitudinal study of theirs. That could be it as well. Um, or we could be, you know, we could have been, as a lot of people believe, seated by them. I think there's lots of reasons why they would be looking at us right now. But I really think of it as a convergence of um, all of these things that are happening to us, to humans. But then where does that sit in the cosmic outlook as well? You know, Mm -hmm. I, I I definitely think there's something that's converging here, but there's something that's converging on a far greater level. Mm-hmm. And um, could it be possible that they might be observing what is going to happen, how we're going to handle this? Could they be possibly observing the choices we make in this moment, whether to let it take us? or whether to continue to evolve our minds and find that there's an access, some other doorways to Mm. somewhere else that the human, the sovereign human still hasn't discovered and that we still um, have potential to. I don't know. When you look at the brain, this is why I get a little obsessed with the brain. And I, I was studying gamma brain waves and the roles of the left and right going really deep into it. And it seems to me, you know, psychically we get all of these sort of invitations, but also it seems the brain is leaving all of these breadcrumbs of doorways as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gamma was another thing that was sort of poo-pooed through time. Like nobody would recognize it. They said, gamma brainwaves I'm talking about. Um, They would divert people from that they said it always just it's just muscle it's eye movement and they just never really looked at it well now it's becoming very interesting because all the different times the gamma comes online for example there's uh it happens during meditation it happens during ayahuasca it happens during but also happens during seizures it happens during so many things but in all and Alzheimer's, schizophrenia during mm-hmm. positive episodes, yeah. out of body, remote viewing, all of these things. It's almost like where a third sight opens. Because one of the things about gamma is your brainwaves are going super fast, You, but you access it during sleep when your brain is pretty much offline. Right. You go into this deep level of sleep and all of a sudden your brainwaves go faster than your awake state. Mm-hmm. Your vision, occipital cortex, comes back online. You know, while you're sleeping, a, a sight is coming back online. And so I just feel like the potential of another doorway that we're discovering. So now everybody's getting really interested in gamma. 
It's very complex. And I'm just calling it a breadcrumb, a potential breadcrumb. But it's a big one. That's a big one. It is a big one. It, um, they found with DMT, which that's a whole other world, a whole other discussion. Mm. But the voltage coming out of gamma is probably higher than just about anything else. Sure. And, I, and this is another place where people are engaged in a visual way, but they're also having communication. So right. just so, a breadcrumb. It's a big breadcrumb, though. I'm glad you brought that up because in, I am by no means uh, uh, an expert in terms of understanding visual spectrum. The visual spectrum that humans are typically uh, privy to, which is nothing, and where the <laughs> gamma, way, it, it's nothing. I mean, the visible spectrum, so, what's, what is the, um, yeah. oh gosh, today's not the day for me to remember numbers, but where would a gamma wave sit within that visible spectrum? Is it beyond it? The typical visible spectrum of the human? I don't know how to uh, either to accurately uh, bridge that into the visible spectrum. Because um, the way I look at it uh, is through brain scans and the electrical system of the brain. Right. So I I can't really speak to the the way that you're going at it, which is a way that I will actually have to include in there and have a look at. Yeah. But um, because it, it seems it seems like the gamma what you're what you're alluding to, Tracy, is that once we get into that gamma state, very interesting things are happening. Right. Where yeah, it's you, almost you know, like the, is it the seat of the third eye? Exactly. And the third eye, which is governed by the pineal gland or is the pineal gland, my understanding is it lives outside of the visible spectrum. That's why I'm saying that there's some connection, yeah. it seems, you know. It could be. Yeah. It I'd be curious me. to know what your research would find looking at yeah. looking at it from an, in terms of the, 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 the visible wavelength spectrum that know. we're typically uh, allowed to see. I don't know. If there would be a way for, well, I don't know. It'll be something for me to look into yeah, and, and see. But there's, uh, you know, there's all these mysteries of the mind out there. The, the very small amount, like you say, the very small amount we actually see versus what our brain is actually intaking and what part of our brain is intaking all that additional information. Exactly. And how is it processing it? We know from split brain studies where they snip the corpus callosum, the two parts of the brain understand things very differently and mm -hmm. they can do things very differently. They're, they actually act like two separate people, you know, where one, when the, when the corpus callosum is snipped, like one part will get dressed while the other part is trying to get undressed at the same time. <laughs> if they have, uh, I saw this example with a child that's like so interesting you know, when uh, the left brain through the right hand was trying to mimic a puzzle, there was a puzzle picture and the right brain was trying to um, put the puzzle together easily. It could easily put it together. It could because it's visual spatial. It's looking at a picture and it was recreating the picture. But when the left brain <laughs> was trying to do it through the right hand because it crosses over, it absolutely could not put this visual puzzle together. And when they allow the two hands to try to do it, where the, the parts of the brain are separated, one will create the puzzle and one will take the puzzle apart. They absolutely cannot communicate with the two hands together. So there's, there's this additional mystery going on about the left and right brain. And 
and hmm. the way that one is dismantling things in a certain way and the other is able to put this visual spatial puzzle together pattern recognition pattern greater recognition. patterns greater patterns i think this is another reason why we want to always learn more about quieting the left you know easing the left in meditation or through other modalities and observing what the right brain and obviously it's not an isolated thing i have to keep mm -hmm. saying that but what is this potential antenna able to reach out to what is this antenna what additional information that our eyes didn't take in did this part of the brain take in and integrate yes yeah. you know fascinating you you've talked about this before tracy in terms of some of the more well, let's call it nuanced aspects that you've picked up on in understanding or separating out the monkey mind as an example from the the psychic or intuitive hits and right. one thing that i know you've stressed is you don't when when you're setting out setting an intention to receive information psychically you're not looking for the information you're no. aligning yourself to become aware and that awareness can come so quickly uh, yeah. What are some of the hallmarks that you've found in being able to meet out the, you know, psychic information from Mikey Mind? And I know you talk about keeping two different journals and keeping one, allotting one for the Monkey Mind because you, you give them their proper place of prominence. Yeah. Get them out of the way and then focus yeah. on, you know, the, the psychic hits. Yeah. So I talk about it in terms of remote viewing and I talk about it in terms of meditation sometimes mm -hmm. uh, because it's really the sort of the same thing. Yeah. With remote viewing, it teaches you these beautiful things that you can inform your meditation with, you know, because you are trying to determine the um, the monkey mind, the the ego's chatter from the actual psychic signal. And one of the things that you really learn with remote viewing is it is a discipline of allowing you, um, you're quieting yourself, but you're allowing an emergence to occur. Once you have put your mind to the target or the question, it's an emergence. And so it's a, it's a, it's a perfect way to inform meditation. The other part of it that you were just talking about is in controlled remote viewing, we use analytical overlay. And what that really means is that we are keeping a column to appease our left brain when it tries to guess the answer, because that's what it does. You know, mm -hmm. it's all, it's designed to help us. It lives in the here and now. And it, so when you're learning remote viewing, but it can go all the way through, there are times when the brain is trying to guess and you just are appeasing it and saying, I gotcha. Okay. And you're just writing it down and you label it or put it in this column we call analytical overlay, analytical left brain, analytical mm -hmm. overlay. So yeah, you're just, uh-huh, just allowing, writing it down, and then you continue back, clear off and allow, you know, you have your, the target is already set and you're just uh, trusting in that target and then allowing the emergence again. And yeah, it's to me, it's the very same thing with meditation. So mm -hmm. I keep a journal. This is what you were probably referring to. I will keep a journal always when I'm doing my meditation, but I have a second book that is there for 
when my mind wants to spit up things, because sometimes those things are very useful, you know, mm-hmm. and, but I don't engage it. I just sort of say, gotcha, write it down. And it's, it's a wonderful thing, actually, if you don't let yourself sort of rise to it, you just sort of stay at this. And don't um, chastise it. That's what yeah, I, I've the, learned. Yeah. I, I'm not one of those people that believes in sort of kill the ego. I've heard that said mm-hmm. a lot of times. I'm, and people have different methods, right? But for me, I'm not of that school. I'm of the school where you want to bring your ego along. You want your un, your ego to understand what you're doing, why you're doing it, and that I'm going to, yeah, I got you. I'm going to write this down over here, but I'm doing something else right now. I so I it. just capture it. I just capture it and then mm-hmm. return to the emergence and, you know, get my own guidance or whatever I'm targeting for my meditation. But for either one, um, I always say, I'm sure you talk about this all the time as well, the uh, the importance of the art of the question or the target, the intention that, mm-hmm. and and also conviction that conviction. this is what you want conviction is such a big thing to me and conviction can mean in meditation for me at least um airplane mode like often people can't even get themselves to do airplane mode or do not disturb because they're worried that you know oh my child won't be able to reach me but yeah. but trust that they will and if you can't show conviction for your meditation, which your meditation is really your connection to this greater self, if you can't show conviction for that, you know, I think, I think we might have an issue. (laughs) I agree with you because conviction to me, there's emotion attached to conviction. Yeah. Feel it. To yeah. me, emotion is the carrier wave. It is the bridge that yeah. allows manifestation of any kind. Yeah. That's the key. And yeah, within conviction and intention, but conviction even stronger. Yeah, I agree. This or bust. And you feel that. And that feeling is the messenger to me. Yes. Yes. And that kind of brings us back to what we were talking in, uh, talking about in the beginning, I think, of this moment before everything's about to happen. I think we were talking about in the pregame. I'm not sure. Um, the pregame. You just said the pregame. I yeah. <laughs> the, the show we did before. <laughs> um, where I, I think that's when I was talking about um, in social psychology and different psychological studies if you were to go out for dinner, that that conviction, the decision, if you decide before you go out to a restaurant, I'm going to eat healthier, I'm only going to eat this, you're you know so much more likely to do it than if you just go and you don't make that conviction, that, that decision with mm-hmm. yourself. You usually, it just flows and you end up doing the things that you didn't want to do. You know, there's lots of studies to support that. So I absolutely agree with you about conviction being sort of the carrier wave, this, this main sort of, um, um, decider. It's an energy signature. signature, Literally. I think there's a, there's a, there's a physics to it. 
I agree. And you I know? also think it's tied to um, something that I talk about sometimes um, from health psychology, the psychology of change. It kind of plays into this as well. Um, if you want to change a behavior, you know, you really, really want to change a behavior, you can have a list, but typically that's something as well that you will fall off of. But if you have a if you have a conversation with yourself that that really you get to the core of why you want something and you put that on your mirror instead of the the list of things you want to do you put the why you want to do it like if you want to meditate but you've never been able to um bring yourself to repeat it you know like you fall off all the time um if you have this deep conversation of why, why can also kind of be your target? And why is the seat of the conviction? I think when people can't find that conviction, I guess is what I'm trying to get at, mm -hmm. when they can't find it in themselves to turn it off, to turn things off, to make this commitment to themselves, they have to look ahead, like you were saying before. They have to look ahead at what it is that they want. Sometimes it's helpful to look at on my deathbed. I wish that I, sometimes that's a helpful tool to help us answer why. And all of this, I think, ties back in to this moment, the here and now of what we are about to approach. Wow. The decision, the conviction, honing these abilities, deepening the self-awareness, learning the language and mastering ourselves in terms of distraction, you know, mastering ourselves over that. This is the tool that we have moving into this great convergence, this great unknown. This is the greatest tool. It's us. It's it us. us. I agree 100%. As we wind down, Tracy, I want to ask you several questions, but this, do you think that again, thinking about the people who were still not there for whatever reason, consumed yeah. with status quo reality. Yeah. Might there be an event or set of events that would tip the scales and pop a bunch more people open? I've asked this question before. I don't know that there's any pat answer, but do you get a sense that there might need to be a trigger, a definitive trigger? that would serve as a prompt for people to get into this sense of urgency? Well, I'm going to go down a road, but you bring me back if there's something else that you were driving at. But um, one thing that this makes me think of is typically in times of great turmoil or humanity facing great unknowns or even just individuals facing great unknowns, that's typically a time when people turn to spirituality or religion when they hadn't previously. And so I think that uh, people, generally speaking, are, I don't know, I don't know where the masses sit with this, but I'm going to guess that the masses are not prepared and thinking ahead like some of us are. Mm -hmm. I think that this, um, especially artificial intelligence and when it merges with genetic manipulation and Neuralink and, you know, um, I think it's going to catch a lot of people off guard. Mm -hmm. 
And I think it is going to send people into a state of anxiety and also a, a feeling of being out of control. And when they feel that sense of being out of control, this is when they're going to begin to look because they will be desperate mm. to have some sort of anchor to help them through this. They will just innately know that they need help and it's going to spill over. Like therapists will obviously be helping people, but it's going to spill over. People are going to be looking. Um, mm. And so I think psychologically speaking, this is going to be one of the triggers that's going to happen to get people to sort of, you know, look to what tools they can quickly pull together to give themselves a greater sense of grounding so that they can feel somewhat resilient moving into these new phases. So I think that will be a trigger. I know no, that. I don't I think, think that's what exactly what you were looking no, for. No, I think that's exact. That's exactly what I was asking. And it, oh, it's, okay. it's a difficult question because we yeah. think in terms of events being the, the the needle movers in 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 society and in history, like nine eleven and 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 what yeah, we've just yeah. gone through several years ago, et cetera. These big momentous occasions that yeah. will uh, tend to trigger paradigm shifts, psychological shifts. Yeah. So it's difficult because we've had so many of them, but we you have. Know, yeah, yeah. But I think what you, your point and and what artificial intelligence. Uh, Catching people now, hard. but yeah. Oh God, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and I think also if you know, if they could handle that, imagine if another pandemic showed up or something that affected our health on a larger scale. Or I think sometimes there's people who've been cultivating their own spirituality have really been cultivating. Uh, tools to move through uncertainty, even knowing, sure. knowing it or unknowingly, you or know? not knowing it unconsciously. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But they will be in a much better position. And I think that uh, the human psyche, if I'm prepared, can only handle so much. Mm -hmm. And um, so I guess all I'm saying is, we're talking about AI and this and that maybe people can handle that. But if you were to add something on top of that, um, all of the things that we've mentioned, that just might be a bridge too far for some people. And that might be, a, that might be another reason for the, the trigger. Yeah. A bombardment of all of these things, which depending on which camp you, you're from, many believe this is what's projected. This is what's planned, you know, yeah. an onslaught of all of these things that seem disparate, but they're all connected. Um, yeah. that, could potentially spell overload, you know, are these avatars of ours uh, capable of handling this onslaught? And I think the answer is pretty clear, yeah. not as is, not unless we kick in some of these other, you know, more subtle but powerful aspects of us that have been atrophied for so long. Let's mm -hmm. talk about this because we're going to need to close down. We've had an excellent conversation. By the way, guys, we did the after show before because it was so rich and it was so good. You've got to check it out. I'm not even going to tell you what it's about. It's about all these things, but we just went right into it. Tracy and I <laughs> tend to do that when we get together. So please be sure to check out the after show. Plus you get to support higher journeys and we certainly appreciate that. But as we close, I want to talk about this, Tracy, because I have a feeling you have a very interesting take on 
the phenomenon of number patterns. I'm not even going to call it repeating numbers. I'm not going to call it anything, but just this bombardment of numbers in so many lives right now. I've heard just about every theory out there. I have several of my own. And yet this is probably one of the most profound and definitive phenomena that we've seen in many years. What are your thoughts on how all <laughs> how that plays in to the fact that we're seeing something very different happening? Well, it is pretty fascinating, isn't it? And uh, everybody I know who has cultivated some sort of self-awareness is experiencing something like this, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's one of those things, again, that I don't really talk about that much. But if I were to, I would say, well, first of all, if we were living in a simulation, it would explain all of this. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah. You know? yeah. But we won't totally go there. Um, hmm. I do think, without concluding why, that there is potentially either a greater part of us, a collective part of us, a part of us that's outside of time, living in sort of a quantum sense, meaning that all time is existing beside itself. So our future, we feel our future now. We feel our past now. And the deeper we start getting into ourselves, the more we start having access to a guiding symbolism. So I'm not saying the source. I'm just offering ideas of source sources mm-hmm. but i i personally believe it's a form of our own guidance coming through um mm. again our own meaning it could be many different things but it seems as though it is set up for us and perhaps it's set up for us to follow something again, like an invitation, a pathway, breadcrumbs towards helping us through. As we know, our intuition basically is designed to help us through, to navigate what's coming. I know I've had many personal examples. I'm sure everyone who's watching this has had many personal examples, but I don't think we should ever discount what we're witnessing with this and we should pay attention and we should write it down and we should add this to the breadcrumbs that we're finding in our dreams and the breadcrumbs that we're finding in our meditations and in our writings. All of this should be considered the grander language that's coming from somewhere else. And so I'm, I guess I'm suggesting this almost like a dream study in a dream book it means something different to all of us, you know? Mm-hmm. So people are like, I don't like dream books because they're not right. But any dream book works because it's really about the deeper reaction inside yourself. So if you read what a house is and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't resonate with you. Uh, as soon as you read it, there's an inner, an inner voice that's like, no, or yes, immediately. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that's what it is or that's what it's not. I feel like you can take that and apply that with the numbers as well. It's it's a unique signature that we're starting to pick up on that we're not used to picking up on. We're not used to putting it all together, but it's right. this bigger 
language of something calling us towards it. So I'm just inviting us to add it to all of the other things and look at it more like a holistic language, perhaps, than just the numbers. You know, adding it into the study of self, a deeper study of self. I think that's the name of the show, a deeper study of self. Tracy, you have just given us the most amazing, um, it's more than a primer, but an an amazing amalgamation of self-discovery now. And I, I always like to talk about the now, you know, people like to talk about ancient mm-hmm. history or the future, mm-hmm. but it all comes down to the ever present and this yeah. urgency that many of us are feeling, yeah. but you, you've done such a brilliant job as even though you thought you were all over the place, you really pulled in all these breadcrumbs. <laughs> and I love that too, breadcrumbs. This is about you guys right now. It's about, we say connecting dots. Tracy says, gathering the breadcrumbs and putting them in a big basket. Over time, you will build um, something that's b- bigger than the breadcrumbs. You'll, you'll build a loaf. <laughs> you'll build a loaf of bread. Yeah, you'll see the greater language that's going on here. Absolutely. Yes. And I believe those numbers are no doubt a language. And you make a, such a good point that we're we're so tempted to assign sort of this archetypal um you know, definition that would apply to all people in all cases. And that's just not the case. We are individuals. And Mm -hmm. so our discerning of what those numbers mean for us should be based on an individual or subjective. And yet at the same time, they can have a collective um, significance as well. There, there again lies that paradox. Yeah. So Tracy. We are the greatest mystery. We are the greatest mystery and it should be a joy to dig in and look inside ourselves and look at this, this bigger language. To me, it's a joy. It's an it absolute joy. joy. I know and it is to you too. And I can I see it, it in your face. Yeah. <laughs> Richard Feynman, the great physicist said, it does no harm to the mystery to know a little bit about it. Mm, and beautiful. you, my dear, are one who has embraced that mystery. I applaud you so much. Is it any wonder that Ms. Tracy Garbett Dolan just received the Rising Star Award in Las oh, Vegas? She brought that award back. So thank well you. deserved, my dear. Thank so you well so deserved. much. As did you. You received a very well deserved award oh, as well. Well, we had so much fun. Uh, yes, I'm honored, by the way, to have brought back uh, Out of This World podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Out of This World. It was, it was lovely. And um, it's just such an honor to spend time. And I am bl- I feel so blessed to know people like yourself and Richard oh. and all of our small, still intimate, because it's, yeah. you know, growing true, but it's it's yeah. still a very intimate, um, close-knit group. We, we may not agree on everything. But our fundamental ideologies, I think, are are aligned um, yeah. at such an important time. This is a dream come true for me. I, I, I say that with the utmost um, heartfelt sincerity. Thank you, Tracy, for what oh. you're doing. Keep rocking it, girlfriend. 
<laughs> Thank you so much, Alexis. The honor is all mine. Oh, well, I hope you'll come back because there's going to be a lot more to report on. Yeah. So let's do that. Well, listen, we're going to sign off for now because we're a little over time, but please go next door to Patreon. Listen to what Tracy and I were chatting it up about. And uh, in the interim, have a wonderful, we're heading into the holiday season, Tracy. Can you believe that? Here we go. No, no, I cannot believe it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think we all need to uh, appreciate this one. Absolutely. Let's do it. Enjoy it. Let's enjoy. And as always, let love be at the top of the priority list as we go through the holidays and beyond. So thank you. Thanks again, Tracy. Love you much. Thank you. Love you as well. And happy holidays to everyone. Beautiful. Thanks, journeyers. We'll talk to you real soon. Take care.